All right, uh, so let's go ahead and whip out our Bibles, turn on our Bibles, however you consume Scripture, turn it on, open it up. Let's go Colossians 3 tonight, Colossians chapter 3. We're in week two of our We Are series. We're identifying the key identities of a follower of Jesus as we read the Bible together. And this week we're turning to the fact that we are a new creation in Christ. We are a new creation in Christ that the old has passed for those who have accepted Jesus by faith there is a conduct in which we are supposed to, to walk, to live, and to pursue one another and to pursue the Lord. So Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be picking up tonight. Go ahead and pick me up in verse 1. We're going to read 17 verses together. And guys, honestly, I hope that everybody's on an empty stomach right now because we're going to feast from God's Word tonight. Uh, so I hope that we're hungry. we got a lot of stuff to learn, and I'm going to bring you along on a journey. Okay, Colossians 3 verse 1. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae. Verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What captivates your guys' attention? Nathan kind of led off our, third, or our second song with that reality. What captivates your attention? Right When you see it, you can't help but look at it. Your mind's consumed by it. Where is your gaze transfixed? Where does your mind go? Where is your attention? 1969 was a crazy year for Americans. At the beginning of the 1960s, President John F. Kennedy, there it is, President John F. Kennedy said in 1960, by the end of the decade, right, in his Irish accent, decade, weird way of saying that, we're going to go to the moon. Commission NASA, hey, the goal is the moon. The prize is the moon. We're going to the moon. Sure enough, 1969 in July, three men walked on the moon. 
NASA had one goal, their attention, their gaze, their focus, the core of who they were was one thing, get to the moon. And they did it. They got to the moon. Over 150 million people watched on live television, the most watched event in the history of American TV. Pretty big deal. Man on the moon, taking on the extraterrestrials, if you believe in such things. See, NASA, Kennedy, America, their gaze was transfixed on the lunar surface. Their attention and their focus, their time, their money, their energy was put to trying to get to the moon. My question for us tonight is, where is your gaze set? Where is your gaze set? Is it on success? Is it on a pursuit of relationships? Money, a career, security, comfort. Where is your gaze set? Here's the principle for tonight. Main idea, bottom line, whatever you want to call it. When we daily set our sights on Christ and let him live in us, he shapes us into who we were created to be. Let me say that again. When we daily set our sights on Christ and let him live in us, he shapes us into who we were created to be. So tonight we're going to look at three very simple realities. We're going to realign. We're going to set our, our gaze. We're going to set our focus. We're going to set our mind and our hearts on Christ. We're going to realign. Number two, we're going to, we're going to repent of some things that all of us need to, the sins that, that cling so closely, this old self that we're going to see. Paul is going to say, you need to take that off, put it to death and walk in newness of life with Christ. And lastly, what we're going to do is we're going to receive the grace and love and mercy of Jesus together as a ministry. So number one, realign. Verses one through four, realign. Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set, go ahead and underline, circle, box, do something in your Bible to point that word out. It's important. We're going to talk about it. Take note of it. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. A little context might be helpful if you haven't read the book of Colossians in a while. Uh, the Colossian church is under a lot of uh, pressure, persecution to, to turn away from Jesus. A lot of cultural pressures that are saying, man, you don't need to be devoted to him. He is some fake prophet, right? A lot of societal pressures to, to turn from Jesus, to not stay devoted to him. Cultural things that are, are pushing the Colossians away from Jesus and, and ripping apart these relational connections between the people in this church. Does that sound familiar to anybody? 2023, it's not very much different. A lot of cultural pressures. Just follow your truth, right? Follow your heart. Do what seems right. Lots of pressures to turn away from Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, what we need in this text is we need daily, emphasis on daily realignment. It's, it's not a one and done thing where we come to church, we come to salt, we receive the goodness of God, and we just go throughout our merry way. There's an aspect when we walk with Jesus in step with him, it's a daily grind, it's a daily battle. 
And there's this tension, right, that we feel in our hearts of the, the earthly, temporal realm of, of what we have right here. But, man, if you're in Christ, like, you long for heaven, right? This Christ-like reality. I, w- I want to hope in what Jesus has said, and I, I believe in the promises of God. And there's that tension, right, that we feel in our heart every day that we wake up. It's the, the struggle of how do we live in the already, but knowing that the not yet is still to come. I told you to underline set in your Bible. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. Notice what Paul doesn't say, right? He doesn't say glance. He doesn't say drive by super fast. He doesn't say just look at it for a second and then look somewhere else, right? No, he says set, fixate your gaze, focus, ponder, marinate, stare, behold Christ, Think on Christ. Behold his, his goodness. Behold His mercy. Behold His love. Set your mind on the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that, that Christ is and that He's doing and what He has done. Behold Him. Fixate. Gaze at Him. I mean, just, just stare at Jesus, right? One look, we just sang it. Stare at Christ. See, followers of Jesus, we're called to center our lives and realign our hearts to the risen Savior. The reality of this text is that Christ, in his sovereign, sovereign plan, he has set his affections on us as followers of Jesus. And now we, we continue to remain with him by setting our affections on him, that he is our life. We have died with him and we will reign with him in glory. Our life is hidden with him. We are safe. We're secure. We're satisfied. We're found in Him. That's what Paul says. Our life is hidden with Christ. There's security. There's comfort there. We're fully known and fully loved. And yes, our eyes are set on Christ while our hearts long for eternity. There's an aspect in these first four verses as we realign our gaze to Christ where we need to look upward to His reign as Christians and look forward to His second coming. We will reign with Christ in glory as a royal priesthood. So we've been realigned to Christ, and we'll come back to this in a little bit, talking a little bit more about what does it actually look like practically, because who cares? This is a good word, right? But how do we actually do it? Hang with me. Number two, we've realigned, we've realigned but number two, we're going to repent. All right? Repent. Verse five. This is now Paul. He says, put to death. Take note of those th- first three words. Put to death. Hold on to them for me. Therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Notice the words that Paul uses here. He says, put to death what is earthly in you. Put to death the sins that, that cling so closely. The call here is of repentance. Repenting of our sins and our earthly pursuits. And what Paul does here is he lays out two sets of sins in comparison to some signs of love that we're going to get to in a little bit. So two sets of sins versus signs of love. And here's the first set of sins. Sins of sexual attitude and behavior. 
sins of sexual attitude and behavior. So up here, I'm just, I'm just pulling them right out of these first couple of verses of this section. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And I put greed up there as that. I know it says covetousness right here in the ESV, but um, same deal. Just a little, everybody knows what greed means. So sins of sexual attitude and behavior. This is, this is the reality here of folks that, gosh, guys, like these are, these are going to destroy you as an individual. These are going to destroy relationships. These are going to destroy friendships. They're going to destroy groups of people, and they're going to destroy a church. And the reality with this, of any sexual sin, is sexual sin is not just a physical act. It is not just a physical act. As a matter of fact, as we'll see in a moment, it's, it's actually a heart posture. It's a desire. Right? We've talked about this many times here already this semester. In the Bible, when we talk about heart, it's not just the muscle that's pulsating blood through your veins. Your heart is the core of who you are as a follower of Jesus. Your center of passion, your center of desire, your center of emotion, the things that get you up out of bed in the morning, it's who you are at your core, what you crave when you are not satisfied. And Jesus furthers this idea of sexual sin in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. This is what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. It's the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery. Right? If you're married, I'd be sleeping with somebody that isn't your wife. Don't commit adultery. Jesus broadens it. He doesn't change it. He broadens it. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you just look at a woman, or ladies, if you look at a man with lustful intent in your heart, you have committed adultery with that person in your heart. It's not just a physical act. It's the heart posture. It's what you're desiring. It's what you're craving. It's what you're seeking. And the biblical response to this is to, it's to flee, to run, to sprint in the other direction. Pray that we would be ignorant of these things. Paul says in verse 5, right, we just talked about, put to death these sins. Do not allow Satan to have a foothold in your life. Got some of us in this room, we're struggling with this. There's been many seasons in my life where I've struggled with this pretty in depth. It's a struggle, right? Some of you guys are struggling with sexual sin and purity. My dad had this phrase growing up, which I didn't really understand in middle school, but the more I kind of just live life and stuff, I began, under, un, I began to understand it a little bit better. He uh, always told me and my brothers, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. What does that mean, Dr. Everly? Garbage in, garbage out, man. Some of you guys right now, you're like, man, I, I just, I can't shake this addiction to pornography, right? I just, every day, I'm falling in temptation. I'm walking in sin. I can't shake this. Some of you guys are watching Game of Thrones. Can we just have a moment here? Let's just look at what the Bible says. Who cares about what the culture says? It's garbage. 
Some of you guys are struggling with sexual sin and you're essentially watching naked women on screen. You're watching naked men on screen. Doing things that are only supposed to be happening or seen in the context of a marriage between one man, one woman for life in a covenant. Garbage in. Seeing sin with your eyes and you would be foolish to think that doesn't affect your heart. That's foolish. You're watching these things on the internet and it's affecting how you think. Some of you guys are, are struggling to keep boundaries in your dating relationship. Like maybe we, just, we just keep crossing the boundaries that we put in place. And some of you guys, you're listening to rap music. I love rap music, okay? Don't get me wrong. Get jiggy with it, right? But man, some of the rap music that exists that you're, that you're putting into your ears, garbage in about the things you're going to do with some woman once you get alone with her, right? Or the things you're going to do with some guy once you get alone with him, right? That garbage that you're putting in your ears, it would be foolish to think that doesn't affect your heart. The ways that your, your heart is craving things. As you're putting these inputs into your mind, you're seeing things with your eyes. You're not fixing your gaze on Christ, you're fixing your gaze on things on the screen things that you're hearing. Have we become so calloused to the culture's hypersexualized things that we're not fleeing from these things? TV shows, man, you can't be on Netflix for more than two minutes scrolling and see something that's borderline pornographic. Garbage in, garbage out, y'all. Let's be aware of the inputs that we're, we're taking in. Again, sexual sins is not a physical act. It's, it's where your eyes linger on campus as you're walking around in between classes. It's what your mind is thinking on and meditating on and marinating on when you're by yourself in your room. It's not a physical act alone. So yes, guard your heart, guard your eyes. Yes, flee from pornography. It's just intimacy for sale. Yes, have good boundaries with your, your significant other. Those are good things to be pursuing. But think about your personal life, the inputs that you're putting in. Because I can promise you, if you're putting garbage in your mind, garbage with your eyes and garbage in your ears, you're going to get garbage out with your life. Setting your gaze on Christ. And this is opposed to the world's encouragement of these things, right? Just do what feels right. That's, that's lust, not love. That's lust, not love. That's on that list. So put off the old self and its practices, right? The beauty of this is that for those who are in Christ, you are a new creation, and you absolutely can have victory over this because of the Holy Spirit that's in you. You can fight this. You can have victory over the power of sin in your life, but I can promise you tonight, it is only and will ever only be by fixing your gaze on Christ and receiving his power in you. Not the other way around. There's no other way around it. I love this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a German pastor, theologian, who was martyred for his faith. He says, the essence of chastity, or purity, it's an old word for purity, is not the suppression of lust, but the total orientation of one's life towards a goal. So here's the deal. A lot of you guys are like, I'm just not going to look at it. I just don't, don't want to think about it. I'm just going to suppress it. And that is a, a decent first step, but it's not going to get you all the way home. We can push down. We can suppress. We can try and, try and, try and kind of push these things away from us, but it's not going to be enough on our own strength. We'll only be able, going to be able to fight these things in so far. What does he say, though? It's the total orientation of one's life towards a goal. 
Y'all, that goal is fixating your gaze on Christ, verse 2. We're not going to be able to get away from it for the rest of tonight. Fixing your gaze on Christ. Behold him. Stare at him. Look at him. Receive him. Proverbs 27, verse 7. Here's your satisfaction reorientation goal. It says, One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. One who is full loathes honey, but to uh, one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Guys, if you are full, man, honey is sweet, y'all. It is good on toast, okay? But if you're full, you're not going to eat anything. Man, you are satisfied, right? That's good. But dude, if you're hungry, man, everything bitter is sweet. Ding-dongs, Twinkies, give me all of it. I'm just going to graze right through the fridge. I'm just going to graze through my pantry because I'm hungry. I, I, got, I got satisfaction to fill, right? I got needs to fill. My stomach is rumbling. I need to be filled. A lot of us function in the back half of that verse. We're hungry. We're hungry. And we're just grabbing at whatever we can to feel satisfied. But man, if you're full on Christ, if you've received the love of Jesus, you've received his mercy, you've received his grace, you've received his goodness, sin's just bitter. Only Jesus is sweet. Spiritual starvation leads to the pursuit of sexual satisfaction and gratification. Spiritual starvation leads to the pursuit of sexual satisfaction and gratification. Would we be a people who are so full on Christ that we don't even want honey? We need to repent of our sins and receive the grace freely given by God. Putting to death these things, y'all, would we let Christ reign in our bodies? We're a temple of the Spirit. Let Jesus in. Let him, let him actually shape and form you. Let him actually satisfy you. I promise you he can do it. The second one is, is sins of speech. Sins of speech. Anger, rage, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. These sins, these are relationship breakers. These are going to fracture and break relationships. Same deal here, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talking on this again. He's concerned with the heart. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. Don't go shooting people or stabbing people. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the fire, to the hell of fire. Again, what Jesus is saying here is that anger in your heart towards a brother or a sister like lust is it to adultery, anger is to murder. Guys, it's so subtle, right? There, there are so many, you know, like respectable sins that we just, we just tolerate, right? A rude passing comment, an occasional cuss word, profane language. I know I'm probably sounding like some of your guys' moms right now, like, don't say that word in my house. Can we just look at the Bible together? These are not my words. Don't shoot the messenger. Triangulation of relationships, because we don't want to go to people directly when they've sinned against us in a Matthew 19 posture. We masquerade gossip as just a kind of a prayerful, prayerful concern for others. 
We masquerade anger as a heart for what is right when actually holding bitterness in our hearts. We lie because, uh, gosh, I mean, a tough convicting word might be too hard for that person to hear, and we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings even though they're walking in sin and are unrepentant. Your conduct should match your confession. Your conduct should match your confession. If you confess Christ, if you claim to be bought by his blood, there is a conduct that we see in Colossians 3 that we must be carrying. This is our greatest witness to a world that needs Jesus. It's Christians who actually have integrity, who say what they say, do what they do, they read the Bible, and don't ignore it. It's not just what you say with your mouth, it's the disposition of your heart. Friends, are you, are you harboring bitterness? Is there anger in your heart? Are you, are you slandering somebody behind their back? You need to repent before the Lord and put off the old self. These are relationship breakers. They fa- fracture affections. They have no place in the kingdom of God. Would you let Jesus rule in your heart? Would you let him realign your priorities, realign the ways that you interact with others? All right, everybody take a deep breath. There's good news yet to come. Number three, receive. This is where it gets fun, right? Receive. Verse 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Guys, if we've put off the old self, right? So we've realigned to Jesus. We've, we've repented of these different sins of, of, of sexual attitude and behavior and these sins of speech. Some of you guys might need to do that tonight. If, if, we, if we have put these things off, what do we do now? Paul tells us to put on the new self. But what is the new self, y'all? Verse 14, it is love. Clothe yourself in this. Clothe yourself in love. Clothe yourself in this, this new conduct that we have. But how do we put on the new self? So we've looked at these sins, but how about the signs of love? All right, how about the signs of love? Here we go. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiveness. These are signs of love versus the sins that we just unpacked. We need to first receive the love of Christ. This is why we set our gaze on him and the things that are above We must first, as verse 1 says, be raised with Christ and found in his loving embrace before we can do these. We can only build healthy relationships and display these signs of love once we receive these from Jesus. So guys, here's the deal. Application step for tonight, just try your hardest, right? Man, I'm not not feeling crazy compassionate right now. Just pull up your Christian bootstraps and just try and be more compassionate, right? Just try and be more patient. I'm going to walk out of those doors, and I'm just going to try and be more patient, right? Somebody's going to say something I don't like. I'm just going to kind of monitor my breathing, maybe read the next self-help book, right? I'm not feeling super humble. I'm just going to say I'm actually really humble. I'm just going to kind of will it into existence, right? No way. That is not the gospel. 
The gospel is not do better. The gospel is not try harder. The gospel, as we have seen time and time again in verse 2, is set your mind on Jesus. Behold him. Let him into your life. Let him take you captive. There's no way that's the application step. But how do we do that? Let's not miss this together, guys. This is, I mean, if there's one word you hear tonight, right here, Colossians 3.12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, that's crazy, from the foundations of the earth, as God's chosen ones, holy, so set apart. Don't miss this word, guys. Beloved. Right? Dearly beloved. Loved. We love because Christ first loved us. That in the depths of your sin, you know what Jesus does? He comes to you because you couldn't even get to him. God, if you want to be more compassionate, you spend time with the one who is himself compassion. If you want to be more patient, you go spend time with the one who is himself patience. If you want to be more gentle with somebody, go spend time with Jesus who was gentle with you first. If you want to walk like Christ, you got to spend time with him. So no, the application step is not, that's insanity. That's works-based salvation. I'm just going to try and do better. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus did it all. You can't do it. But man, if you're struggling with one of these, the verses and the parentheses I've, I've picked out for you, it'd be a great one to memorize. Understanding how Jesus was first compassionate to you. My favorite one right here, the first one, Matthew 9, Matthew 9, verse 36. Jesus looking out at the sheep, which are actually people without a shepherd. And you know what? The Bible says he had compassion on them because they didn't have a shepherd. They were walking around with, with, with nowhere to go. They had no leadership. And he has compassion on them. And Jesus was compassionate with you. First, you were a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on you and saved you, not through your own doing. Let the peace of Christ reign and let it take root in your heart. Not the peace of the world, not the peace of your own intellect, not the peace of your own ability, but the peace of Jesus Christ. But there's one on here that I want to harp on just a touch longer. The last one there, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Verse 13. You forgive because Christ first forgave you. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Guys, some of you tonight, I know this because I've been in this spot before many, many, many times, more than I like to admit, you're harboring bitterness right now. You're harboring anger, you're, you're withholding forgiveness from somebody who's wronged you. And it is leading, this lack of forgiveness is leading to what we just unpacked in verses 8 and 9. The wrath, the malice, the slander, the obscene talk. It's corrupting your heart. Do you know what Jesus said on the cross? As he hung there, which by the way is our ticket to him, Jesus did not say, I don't forgive these people, 
They put nails through my hands, crown of thorns on my head. He said, King of kings, Lord of lords, he could have done what he wanted to. But you know what Jesus said as he hung on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, Jesus has forgiven you for your sins and for the depths of, the, of your rebellion against other people. And it is not the gospel to withhold that from somebody else. To harbor this bitterness, to harbor this anger. Let me be clear, forgiveness does not mean forgetting. And there are absolutely times, perhaps with abuse, verbally, emotionally, sexually, what, you know, physically, what have you, there are absolutely times where there, there are appropriate physical uh, boundaries, there's appropriate you know, steps to be taken in wisdom. But what Paul's saying here, man, if you have a complaint against somebody else, you got to go and reconcile. you got to go and have that conversation. you got to go and extend the forgiveness because you have been forgiven first so you can forgive. You may have to forgive someone that hurts you even if they never ask because Christ has forgiven them for you. And if you're in Christ, if you're a new creation, you can do that. Matthew 5. Again, last time. So if you're, at the, uh, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, first be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Some of you guys may need to reconcile with somebody tonight and express how the gospel actually allows you to forgive that person. Imagining phone calls to friends, text messages to loved ones, Folks in this room chatting afterwards, just having good gospel forgiveness because of what Christ has already done. Don't let the root of bitterness spring up in your heart. If you've been raised with Christ, you're a new creation, and through the power of the Spirit, you absolutely can do these things. You have the power to do these things because of the Holy Spirit that's in you. All right, but how do we actually realign our gaze? How do we actually do this day to day? Just pulling these out of verses 16 and 17. I'm not going to read them. It just so happens. I did not do this on purpose. And just so we're clear, salt does not actually stand for this. Uh, I had a spiritual revelation this morning, sermon prepping. So how do we realign our gaze, right? We've been realigned. We've repented. And now we are receiving the, the mercy and the love of Jesus, but how do we actually realign? I got four things for us here. Very simply, I'm just stealing these from Paul from 16 and 17. Number one, man, it's just singing Thanksgiving. Y'all, we about to do that in a little bit. There's something about corporate worship, right? It gets your eyes off of yourself. You get to gaze upon Christ. You get to declare truths about who he is. There's a realignment in our hearts at the very mouth that we've used to curse somebody out we now are choosing to use to, to praise God with. That when we sing in thanksgiving, Paul says thanksgiving three times in two verses. We're singing these things, we're, we're praising God for what he's done, we're getting our eyes off of ourselves and we're getting our eyes onto the one who's actually saved us, who's actually forming us. The one that we're trying to imitate. Number two is admonish one another. Admonish is kind of a weird word. It means to, to counsel. Okay? Admonish one another. Man, if you got a brother or sister in your corner that needs some help, y'all bear one another's burdens. 
Help each other to realign to these realities. Counsel one another. Open up scripture together. Pray with one another. Get into each other's lives and help each other realign. I need this every day. You need this every day. Number three, L, learn to look to Christ. Learn to look to Christ. I don't know about you guys, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm not feeling super new creation-y. I'm not feeling super new selfie, right? I'm a little irritated. just woke up, haven't had my French vanilla hazelnut coffee yet. I'm not ready to take on the day just yet. But guys, I promise you, when I, when I meet with the Lord in his scriptures and I read about the truth of who he is, what he has done for me, I'm not trying to take on the whole Bible in one morning. Some of you guys might have a little bit more, a little bit more Bible stamina than me. I'm chilling in one or two verses. I'm memorizing it. I'm meditating on it. I'm letting it penetrate my heart because I'm fickle. I am so quick to turn away. And I love just cranking up the worship music to be realigned, learning to look to Christ. When we get freaked out, we get anxious, we get stressed out, what's the first thing you run to? Man, what if it was God's word? What if, it was, what if you just had scripture bounce around in your noggin? And you're just running to that time and time and time again, learning to look to Christ, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, letting it dwell in you richly. Anybody drink tea in here? Five people, hallelujah. Sweet. So people that drink tea, y'all got a tea bag, right? You got a cup of hot water. A lot of you guys, man, when you get to your Bible study in the morning, you are ready to rock and roll, but you got the 8 a.m. class that Satan had to put in your schedule, right? So you got this 8 a.m. class, and you got all these important things to do, right? So you're coming up with your, with your little herbal essence tea bag. You just dunk it in real quick and you walk out the door, right? <laughs> dunk it in real quick and walk out the door. That tea, like, maybe barely tastes like whatever you got that you're drinking, okay? Dunk it and go. But people that drink tea, you know, you gotta let that bad boy steep, right? <laughs> Come on. You gotta let it sit in there. You gotta let the flavor penetrate the water. And what's the reality? It is a rich flavor, right? It tastes good. Why don't we do that with the Bible? Why do we read, 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 read? Okay, okay, we're done. We're good. I got, I got it. I got it. John 3.16. I still haven't memorized from fifth grade. Okay, but man, can we just sit? Can we marinate? Could we steep in God's word? Can we let it penetrate our hearts? Would it bounce around in our brains? Would it be what we talk about, what we think about, what we fix our gaze on? Y'all, come on. This word is life. Jesus is life. We were made for fellowship with him. We were made for union with him. Can we cultivate this relationship with him on a daily basis? Because we need it. I need it. Lastly, teach one another. Just instructing people, right? Pretty similar to admonish, but just a touch different. And this is why we have community groups. This is why we're passionate about discipleship. This is why we gather on, on not Sunday nights, Thursday nights and Sunday mornings. We're being realigned to God's word being realigned in corporate prayer, being realigned in worship. There is something about when, when I've had brothers that come into my life and are calling out sin that I'm not aware of, I'm, I'm saying, hey, can you identify blind spots for me? And they're saying, hey, dude, I see this super big blind spot. Can you teach me? You've wrestled through something similar to this. Can you help me? 
right? We, we, how do we get realigned to the realities of Jesus? How do we set our mind on Christ? We teach one another, guys. And that's the beauty of doing life in community. This, this life that we live, spiritual formation, becoming more like Christ is not a, a, a lonesome endeavor. It is a body of Christ. It is a, a, a brother and sister reality of walking in life with these truths. So sing, admonish, learn, and teach. Salt Company, would we stare and marvel and focus our attention on Jesus and let his affections and love for us move us and constrain us to love and affection for one another? Could we do that? Could we let God just realign our hearts tonight, putting to death and putting off the old self and repentance and receiving the unconditional love and grace of Jesus? Y'all, when we set daily our sights on Christ and let him live in us, I will promise you that Jesus will shape you into who you were created to be, and that is with him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you've, you've first and foremost forgiven me of just the, the depths of my sin, the ways that I've, I've rebelled, I've I've let roots of bitterness spring up in my heart. I've let malice come out of my mouth. I've let anger be the thing that I'm fixed on. Lord, could we just could you just pour afresh your love and your grace and your mercy tonight? I pray for the hearts in this room that this is a heavier message, Lord, that gosh, that they would just feel the love of Jesus, that they would experience that in a new way the grace that only you give, the mercy that only you give, Lord, that we were made to be with you. That just one look at you can and will change it all. Would we set our gaze upon you? Would we behold you? Would we stare at you? Would we fix our attention upon you? And Jesus, would you transform us to look a little bit more like you, to act a little bit more like you, and to talk a little bit more like you? Jesus, in your precious name that we pray. Amen.